Lord, we thank you for uh, another beautiful morning. We thank you for uh, the, the fall colors and the, the warmer temperatures here these last couple of days. And just thank you for that blessing. And, and thank you even more for the opportunity to gather as your people and to worship you together and to fellowship together. We pray, Lord, for uh, each aspect of this morning, that you would bless it, that you would work among us, that you would strengthen us by your spirit, that you would grow us in grace, and that your name would be magnified in all things. And so we pray all these things then in Christ's name. Amen. All right, well, last time we uh, uh, basically reintroduced this lesson that I've been doing uh, off and on over the last couple years or so, and that has, is simply how to study the scriptures. Uh, one of the most important skills any one of, of us can ever learn, and uh, it does take some skill. It does take some practice. It's, it's not impossible, uh, but it does take some work, and unfortunately, um, our schools don't teach you how to think anymore, and um, it's, it's uh, something that we need to, to, to really work at. And um, obviously, it's God's word, so it's it's most important. So last time I uh, reviewed some of the things that we've talked about over the over the months, and then we started on another genre, and uh, we looked at uh, the genres of narrative epistles and the poetic genre, and so we come now here to the genre of parables, and uh, um, the basic point here of a parable is that it is a story to make one primary point. There may be lots of details in the parable, but we're supposed to learn one primary point from it. Where it gets us into trouble is when we start looking at all the details and trying to learn or make a point from the details. And that's not the purpose of a parable. So as, you know, I keep using this example, but if we read something in the sports section or the comics, you do not interpret it the same way as you read an opinion piece or a front page article. You read them differently. And if you don't, if you read the comics the way you read the front page of the newspaper, you're, you're going to really mess things up <laughs> or vice versa. Um, though... <clears throat> Maybe the front page is rather comical, but that's another topic. So, uh, um, but, but you see the idea. We need to follow certain principles as we interpret things. And so for parables, uh, there's one main point, and it's almost always given to us in the context. Um, and, uh, and then we, that gives us some direction. Now, we, we also had a few questions about comparing parables to fables last week and the primary difference is that fables tend to use fantastical things animals or trees or something like that that speak to us about some moral um, moral point um, all right <clears throat> now we ended last time but just beginning on this next part so let's turn here to Matthew and chapter 13 You recall that Matthew has uh, five key teaching sections in his gospel. In the first one, chapters 5 to 7, the second one, chapter 10, and the third one here now in chapter 13. 
And this one is often called the parables of the kingdom. So chapter 10, or chapter 10 is the mission of the kingdom. Chapters 5 through 7 is the Sermon on the Mount, and so the, the basic teachings of the kingdom. And uh, so hear about the parables. So I want to start uh, in this chapter by, by looking at verses 10 to 17. So uh, let's, let's read this here together. Verse 10, And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Obviously, this must have been a little bit different, maybe very different from what they were used to. He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of the people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly, I say to you, that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. All right. <clears throat> this is one of those passages that's kind of hard to swallow. Uh, it's kind of hard to wrap our minds around. Um, not because it's hard to understand, but because it's hard to accept. Basically, Jesus is saying, in quoting here from Isaiah, that God's elected some and not others. And that can make uh, create a lot of heartburn for some people. Uh, but here it is, among other passages. God has given ears to some people to hear and understand the scriptures and eyes to see, but not to others. And for those who haven't given the ears and eyes, then uh, we can understand the scriptures. For those who have not been given this, they cannot understand it. And so Jesus says simply that I am using parables because I'm in part trying to confuse people. Now that doesn't seem very nice. <laughs> but remember in the end, we're all sinners deserving of judgment. And so here is Jesus saying, look, I am using these, these parables, these stories, to help the believer understand. But notice, he then explains it to them. Okay? The explanation of the story is not given to the unbeliever. And so we have that explanation in the scriptures. Um, and he told his disciples, but he didn't tell uh, the other people, at least some of them. Now, you might remember that some of the parables that are used, like uh, during Passion Week, for example, that uh, uh, Jesus used a parable, and, and it says, the religious leaders understood they were, that he was talking about them, and it wasn't a good thing. He was criticizing them in some way. But that doesn't mean they fully understood the implications of it, and certainly it doesn't mean that they accepted and believed it. It just made him angrier. So um, there, there, 
more things to say in regard to this topic. But, but as we start with parables, we have to remember that parables were, were used in part to judge. Okay. So I think, turn back to chapter 12. Okay. Jesus healed on the Sabbath. They complained about it. Jesus uh, healed this demon-possessed man in verses 22 and following. Okay. And the Pharisees said, oh, that's just because Jesus and Satan are on the same team. And then Jesus talks about the unpardonable sin. And then they want a sign. And Jesus says, I'll give you a sign of the prophet Jonah. And then he says about this unclean spirit returning. You see, things are getting worse. There's more opposition, more tension between Jesus and the religious leaders. And so after we see some of these things, then we see more of an emphasis on parables as he is speaking to the crowds, as he is speaking to the religious leaders. So this is an act of judgment to tell them the truth in a way that they're not necessarily going to understand. And that, in part, is to condemn them. Again, we might say, well, that doesn't seem very fair. But remember, we're all dead in our sins. We're all worthy of judgment. And so because they're rejecting Christ already, okay, Jesus takes away the truth from them, at least to some degree. And so that's how he started it there, especially in verse 12 um, and so on. So <clears throat> um, I, I often use the, the image from... Ephesians 6 about the word of God being the sword of the spirit and that this is a double-edged sword and God's word cuts for gracious uh, ends for God's people but it also cuts for condemnation for those who are not true believers the word of God always returns um, it does not come back void it always does its purpose the question is is it doing it for gracious ends or for judgment and uh, condemnation. And so whenever we're talking about parables, we have to keep this in mind. I, I hear way, way too many times over the years people say, oh, parables, these are nice, cute stories. It helps us to understand. Well, <laughs> yeah, um, but it's more than that. It's kind of like Noah's Ark, you know, oh, isn't it cute? You know, all these animals on the ark, isn't it great? And you got, you know, pictures or books and all this sort of things yeah well it was an, it's also an act of judgment and so let's let's not just focus on one aspect of it uh, but this is an important aspect here as we talk about parables yes And that's what I, what we see in chapter twelve, for example. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty clear, um, as Jesus says. How can Satan be fighting against himself? That doesn't make any sense. So, I mean, those are some clearer things that they should have seen. So, yes, definitely. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, for all of our sin and uh, the fact that we're worthy of judgment. God still comes and offers 
grace and salvation first before he does this. Yeah, definitely. Other comments or questions here? Uh, yeah, Joe. It's really helpful when the text tells us. <laughs> so as you look here at Matthew 13, we, we see here's a parable. And so we see that all the way through. Um, uh, at least the first up through uh, verse 43. <laughs> the last few, it doesn't say specifically, but it's in the same pattern. And so, okay, that helps you out. Now, the one that you're talking about... Um, do you remember what passage that is off the top of your head? Um, or anyone? Let's see, rich man and Lazarus. Okay, I was thinking it was in Luke. And, okay, thank you. Um, yes. Well, I think we have the, the clue back in chapter 15, verse 3, where he says he spoke this parable to them. Well, then there's another one in verse 8 and another one in verse 11, and it continues into chapter 16. Um, so we are, we are, I guess, given a clue to think of this as a parable, which means let's focus on the main point, not all the details, right? Um, now it's not that the details are necessarily wrong they're just not necessarily the main point okay. well maybe since we're on it why don't we read this one <laughs> and, uh, and see what we can learn so, does uh, someone want to read this parable for us? It goes down to the end. Yeah, Eric, thanks. Uh, down to the end of the chapter.
What's the main point? Yeah, Joe. I would say it's the very last verse. It's a, it's a prophecy of Jesus rising from the dead. And even though it was August and spread abroad, you know, like, okay, the soldiers go back to the Sanhedrin and tell them that Jesus is risen. Yeah. So rather than accept it, they say, how are we going to spin this? Well, they came and stole his body from him. Mm hmm. Okay. All right. Um, other thoughts? Hey, John. details add to the story and they add to the point but they're not the point <laughs> we're not supposed to focus on the colors of purple uh, and fine linen and so forth we're to focus on the fact that he was rich and he didn't care for a poor man and Moses said we should right we should care for those who are in need and so they're not listening to Moses in that sense well he dies and so on. we're not to look into the point where um, can you actually see into heaven from hell? That isn't, that isn't really the point. It isn't necessarily the point either that uh, um, we're to learn all these details about Sheol and Hades and that Abraham and Lazarus and this rich man are all in the same place, just separated. That, you know, we're not to read into those things look at other passages that may teach about those ideas but not necessarily from here um, can they hear one another can they see one another those are questions that the parable is not really interested in talking about but it adds to the story which in the end I think uh, Joe's right here uh, verses 27 following are, are getting to the main idea and the man's like well I didn't know so go tell my family and Abraham responds, well, yeah, you did. Moses told you. You didn't listen. And so that, really, in the end, that's the main point. Um, you, you go back to what comes before. You have the, the uh, Pharisees who are lovers of money, okay, and talk about justifying yourselves. The law and prophets were till John. Okay, um, so... The context there can also help you uh, come to a certain conclusion. Um, you know, sometimes I've wondered, I, I wish there were more uh, words of explanation on parables. 
And so sometimes I've wondered, is that because God, even in the New Testament, is leaving it kind of open-ended? So for those of faith, they'll come to see the truth, and those who are not are going to be confused by it. Um, is Matthew 13 that we read earlier still being applied here? I think part of it is, too, that this is what Jesus said, and he didn't explain it. Maybe he did later to the disciples, and, and sometimes we're given that insight, and sometimes we aren't. Um, but, uh, again, the, the key idea here, the key hermeneutic is look for the main point. Don't get all bogged down in all the details. All right, um, Kathy, did I see your hand? thing to to keep in mind you might remember um, I mentioned this especially in narrative but it isn't certainly limited to that is that sometimes the main point is in the first couple three verses and it gives you an understanding for everything else that comes sometimes it's the last verse or two or three and everything else is building to that and that seems to be the point here sometimes it's right in the middle Sometimes it's a variety, um, but, but it's, it's not uncommon for us to, to see something at the beginning, the middle, or the end that give us a clue as to um, the main point. Um, so, again, that goes for, for other genres, but uh, certainly applies here for, for parables, too. All right. Well, I didn't have as much time to prepare that one, but uh, <laughs> hopefully we covered it adequately. <laughs> All right, let's turn back uh, a few chapters here to chapter 10 in Luke. All right, we have this very familiar parable. We even hear it referenced in our culture just generally. Um and uh, in verses 25 to 37, we have the parable of the Good Samaritan. So if I can solicit someone to, to read this section here then. Okay, thanks, Michelle.
Now, let's apply our basic thoughts here. Okay, there's one main point. And what is the main point that Jesus is developing here in this parable? Okay, and in particular, add to that. Yes, who is your neighbor? Yes, which I think you're implying in what you're saying. But yes, the question there, who is my neighbor? Verse 29. And then you see it again in verse 36. Right? Who is who you think was the neighbor? That's the key point. Okay? John, do you have notes in your Bible about all the details there too? Okay. <laughs> but people do that. They'll look at all these points and they'll say, you know, the clothing represents this. Or, you know, he gives him food, and that maybe represents the sacraments. And the denarii, you know, later in history, well, that refers to indulgences or, you know, something like that. answering the question who is my neighbor the the um, the elite to use your term uh, Israelites did not show love they did not love their neighbor but the Samaritan the lowly Samaritan he's the one who actually showed love uh, toward his neighbor and that's that's the point the Samaritan as the hero as it were is completely unexpected it must have been incredibly shocking for the people when they heard this. You know, we're used to it, but it must have been like, what are you saying, Jesus, when they heard it initially? Yes, yeah, Susan. there the, the the crumbs from the table that was a lady from Tyre and Sidon area okay. not a Samaritan right. okay. yeah. but your point is still uh, pertinent um, we certainly see in John 4 those ideas with the woman at the well and certainly here and uh, maybe some others I'm not thinking of off the top of my head but um, yeah there you go yeah there's another one yeah yeah exactly yeah, that's fine. Uh, your your overall point is 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 accurate, though, and and so Jesus does. Can you say go out of his way <laughs> to to make the Samaritans the good guys in, in these ways? Um, 
and I think that's to address the issue of, of what we would call racism and, and superiority and, and so on and so forth. Right. Yes. Yes. That's right. Yeah. Now, uh, Joe. Okay. You see what you're doing, though. You're actually going beyond the parable I know, itself. I, I said that right and, and so I don't think there's a problem to bring out the points you're making, you know, because we're, we're actually getting at the broader context. You know, uh, how do you um, uh, inherit eternal life there, verse 25? And so then that's the question. That question that is, is answered, well, love God and love your neighbor. So then you have the other question. Well, does that mean it works salvation? Well, no, you look at other passages and so on. Um, and it's clear <clears throat> from many things that the, the Jews, um, they limited their understanding of who the neighbor was. And so Jesus is expanding it back to the way it should have been and what God intended from the beginning. Um, so I would, I would still come back to my point that the parable has one main idea. The points that you mentioned are actually going <clears throat> beyond it, beyond the parable itself, to the main point of the section, um, which is, is additional to the question of who is my neighbor, and supplementary, and so on and so forth. Um, yeah, it's, it's not that we, how should I say, you, you can't go too far in limiting the point, but at the same time, our tendency is to add way too many details that, that aren't the intention. Um, yeah, Dale.
I think it's some of both. Um, the main question of who your neighbor is, yes, the one who is beat up and you don't want to get your hands dirty with that person. You know, it might cost me some time and money and effort and, you know, I might, I might, uh, you know, miss watching my football game tonight or something like that, you know. So in one sense, that's the neighbor. Yes. Well, he does in the parable, but I, he, he is, can you say, stressing the point that um, it, our neighbor needs to be anyone. And by giving kind of shock value that the Samaritan is showing that and not, you know, a faithful priest or, or Levite uh, adds to the, the shock value. But you are right. I mean, some of the things we were talking about here is, in some ways are side points. That the Samaritan uh, issue that Jesus keeps bringing up is, is, I think, inherent here, but more of the side point. The main point is, yeah, we, we need to love even the person that comes to church with blue hair or the person that, you know, comes to your door because their car broke down and, and you know, They've got hoodies on and tattoos everywhere, and you're scared to death of them, right? And they're <laughs> I was going to say some can run for Senate too, but anyway, that's another point. <laughs> Right, that's a secondary point. He is the one who is, who is actually obeying God's word. Right. No, the the na- You're right. The neighbor is the one who has been beat up, but the Samaritan is acting neighborly. You could say, he is the one showing love. Which, which, uh, I thought about 1 Corinthians 15 7. Which of these three was the neighbor? Yeah. Which is the Samaritan? Which what neighbor? So who was my neighbor? The Samaritan. Who was neighbor to him? Yeah. 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 Um, well, I think in some ways we're splitting hairs because both ideas are inherent in his answer. Um, the the key is the go and do likewise at the end. And so he's wanting us, he's wanting us to act like the Samaritan who was showing love to the person who's not very lovely at the moment. Okay, but good. And again, with shock value, he's using Samaritan as the, the hero in this. Yes?
that's fair. parable helps to answer that question yeah, yeah. right yeah yeah um, you know it where we get into trouble is when you see people who say well verse 31 the priest God's rejecting the priesthood Christ is our new high priest well that's not the point you know God is rejecting the Levites and now we're all priests in Christ's house you know uh, that's not the point here. Um, the point is, go do like the Samaritan who loved anyone. <clears throat> yeah. Um, Jesus tends to fit right at wherever that person's at the guy who said, well, you know, what do I have to do? <clears throat> he said, the guy who said, well, I love you, God. So Jesus hits the one thing, so the only one he saw what he was there for. Mm-hmm. He stopped at being very kind to that person. Which takes you back to, yeah, verse 29, wanting to justify himself. Yep, yep. And, and notice how he responded differently. Here he responds in this way for the rich young ruler. He responded, go sell everything. And, and yet he's getting at the same overall point. Well, I suppose I should have assumed such, but I thought we'd get a little farther here today. <laughs> but uh, um, question, Jesus, yeah. 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 And, and going back to um, chapter sixteen, you know, we have what the scripture says. You know, even I think we could say Jesus is saying you don't need the New Testament to know this point. Um, Moses was enough to teach you about my death and resurrection. Um, now, obviously, the New Testament gives us clarity, <laughs> but there was enough there that they should have known. Um, I think of when Jesus said that to Nicodemus: "You should know what born again means. What's the matter with you?" Um, yeah, the scriptures give us answers to many of our questions if we take time to, to to look at it and try to understand it. And of course, that's the whole point of what I'm trying to do here is to give us some some uh, skills and some direction in terms of how to interpret things. And uh, and this is what makes parables somewhat challenging, is that it's so easy for us to get into the details and miss the overall point um, or or emphasize those. As much as the overall point, uh, sometimes it's hard to know what the overall point is. Um, here, we've, we're given direction. He's answering the question, who is my neighbor? But even in answering that, we still are left with, well, 
you know, Dale's question and, you know, some of these things. How, how far do we go with it? The main idea is simply focus on one key idea. Okay, that doesn't mean we're, we're too narrow in that. But at the same time, our tendency is to read much, too much into it. Um, and that can, that has led to a lot of misunderstandings uh, over the centuries. Um, so it'd be interesting to look at your notes there in Luke 16 to see what else you had there. <laughs> um, as that's, that's not uncommon for people to do that. So. <laughs> well, that's true. Um, but it's a side point. Yeah, it's a side point in the story. But other passages clearly tell you that, don't they? All right, well, we better uh, quit here today, so let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for, for your word, and, and though um, it is challenging for us in certain ways to, to understand, we are thankful yet that uh, your word is, is uh, clear enough for us to know your truth. And uh, um, even uh, here when we are dealing with a, a genre that is a bit harder for us to interpret, uh, we are thankful that the main point still is usually pretty straightforward. Um, but uh, uh, we pray especially, Lord, that you would uh, be merciful to each of us, giving us eyes to see and ears to hear, and that we might know your truth, that we might uh, live by it, and that uh, in all of this you would be gracious and that you would be exalted in it. So we pray as we come now to our worship service that you would bless it, and that you would be um, working among us uh, here this day. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.